Struggling with building momentum in your pipeline? Today's guest will show you how to gain and maintain that revenue. Are you a leader trying to get more from your business and life? Me too. So join me as I document the conversations, stories, and advice to help you achieve what matters in your life. Welcome to Unbound with me, Chris Dubois. Patrick Kagan is the founder of PK Solutions, providing sales and leadership consulting to businesses. Patrick is also the author of three books, Sell the Difference, Create the Difference, and Manifest the Difference. He was recently named the number one source worldwide for sales and leadership differentiation by Podcast Review. And today, we are going to explore how you can better differentiate your business. Patrick, welcome to Unbound. Chris, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, uh, this this conversation has been a long time coming since... Uh, meeting you, being on your show. And so I'm very excited to now share our conversation. Yeah. Yeah. My audience loved uh, when, when you were on the, on the, on our podcast, uh, my audience loved it and uh, great feedback, great interaction. Um, so you're doing some great stuff. I'm really, I'm really, you know, proud to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, now I'm excited to, uh, to share this with, with our audience. So uh, let's, let's kick off with your, uh, your origin story. Yeah, so uh, I can go back many, many years. I won't go. I won't bore you with lots of the details, but I will say um, I grew up with very humble beginnings. Um, my family didn't have a lot. Um, I was actually the first one to to go to college, and I did that through joining the military. Back when I joined, um, they it was in the eighties, nineteen eighties, and they the uh, military came out with "Be All You Can Be," and that was the rebirth of the GI Bill. They would pay for college if you'd go be in the infantry. Um, and so I wanted a better way and and I took it upon myself to join the military and make a better way for myself. And I got into corporate America. I worked for lots of corporations, uh, some Fortune 500, some Fortune 100, so Procter & Gamble, Hewlett & Packard, um, NCH Corporation. And in 2008, I started my own business doing consulting and, um, and large format printing. And so I've been doing consulting, specializing in sales and sales leadership since 2008. Um, and it led to, you know, a lot of uh, great relationships, lots of really interesting problems that we solve along the way. Um, and ultimately, it led to putting some of the information into, like you said, the three books, Sell the Difference, that focuses on differentiation in sales, Create the Difference, which focuses on uh, differentiation in leadership, and then manifest the difference, which is really differentiation within yourself. So it's sales and leadership and self. I want I want to go right into just this is a question that I'm super interested in. You've worked with so Fortune 100, 500, probably litany of other companies. And uh, mom and pops yeah, too. Mom and pops along the way. Yeah. Right. What say? Let's look at successful companies first. Right. What What do you notice is the biggest difference besides revenue and size? And so what is the biggest difference between those companies and how their, their processes are, how they're approaching sales, like how they're actually thinking about problems? You know, what's interesting, um, sometimes the bigger companies are, are not the brightest companies. Sometimes they're more difficult to deal with. There's lots of layers. There's lots of office politics. There's things that get in the way. And the three things, that every company that succeeds when they work with me with consulting, the three things they all possess is the readiness, the willingness, and the ability to go through change. Change is painful. So you have to be ready, willing, and able. And that comes down to the individual leader. So I can't, you know, if I was to work with, let's say, a Hewlett Packard or an IBM, I couldn't say, 
well, all leaders there are ready, willing, and able. But you might find that one leader that says, I'm so sick and tired of losing sales or missing these promotions or not making the kind of money I want to make. I'm ready for something to happen. And then they're willing to go through part of the ownership of what the problem is and, and part of the you know, problem solving and solution building. And then they have the ability to actually implement. So I think what distinguishes companies that succeed when they come to a consultant in general is they have all three of those qualities. So when I consult with folks, if they think like, okay, what, just give me the top three things I could do. Let's, you know, make this quick. It's a quick, it's not a quick fix. It's a lifetime of habits. And when you work with a group of people, it's everybody's habits and everybody's unique. And there are bad habits and there are good habits. And there's ultimately things you are sitting in and things where you'd like to sit. And you have to find the difference between the two, the gaps between the two. And again, you have to be willing to, to work with me as an outsider. Um, what makes me successful or unique or different with my clients um, and, and it may be similar with, with what you tell your clients is that I'm not in love with your situation. I have no emotion tied to it. So I can see it for what it is. And that's probably what, you know, nine tenths of the problems are with most folks that we, we encounter is they're so close to their own situation. They're so air quotes in love with their situation that they either defend it, they love it, they don't want to change it. And I, and I can just see it for what it is. And, and then, so when, when they, accept that, then they can accept what comes next. Right. The, the second set of eyes, I think is very underappreciated. Absolutely. I, like I have, I, I will hire a coach for anything. If it's something I want to work on, uh, right. even physical training, right? I right. work out. I know how to, like, I go to the gym, I run, but I hire a physical trainer. He gives me one different movement when like in a variation of a squat. And it's like, all of a sudden it's hitting all these different muscles, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing gains like that. I hadn't seen for months. And right. it's because they knew something. They brought it in. They, you know, they just went with it. Uh, yeah. Well, and my favorite saying is you can't, it's hard to read the label from inside the box. You know, like you said, you, you're physically fit. You work out, you know how to work out and probably how to work out without injury. But how many times do you hit a plateau as a person who goes to the gym probably on a regular basis? Probably you hit plateaus all the time. And the the benefit of, you know, a personal trainer isn't that they are better than you. It's that they're different than you. And they can see what, if you do this different, you'll get these different results. And the fact that you said you'd hire a trainer for anybody, for anything is phenomenal. That tells me you have such an open-minded mentality, not a closed, you know, minded, it's your, your abundance minded person. And you'll always, you'll always excel and you'll never hit an upper limit because of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, even, I mean, with the physical training example, it's like you get kind of stuck in a pattern, right? Of like, well, I'm going to the gym and I'm doing these things. And like, I know they work, but like at some point you don't see when they stop working because you right. are so close to them. Yeah. And so sometimes as simple as someone just pointing that out, like, hey, I saw right. you do the same thing. You're probably, that's probably why you're not growing, you know? Right. Well, and it's, it's so true. I mean, you see these workout programs that go, they go 13 weeks. Well, why do you think they go 13 weeks? The first three, you don't know what you don't know. The next three, you're starting to figure out what you do know. And the last three, you're slacking because you already know. And so, you know, there's this evolution and we go through it as humans all the time. And business is no different. And, you know, the, a lot of times the leader thinks the problem's out there or the salesperson thinks it's my market, it's my prospects, it's my territory, it's my customers. And the whole idea of differentiation is 
is really taking a look strategically versus tactically at how you think, how you speak, and what you do, and always looking at it from the other side. And, and that's easy to say in concept. It's very difficult to do in practice. Yeah. And I, I want to go there really quick. I want to jump back to something you said uh, with companies needing to be ready, willing, and able. So there's an exercise I do with when looking at teams where we're, we're trying to figure out the motivations and where we can kind of put this person on spectrum. And we use a, a nice quad chart like every consulting company has used at some point. Mm-hmm. But I have those who will and those who won't. Mm-hmm. And like horizontally and then vertically, you have those who can and can't. Mm-hmm. Oh, and can, can. Yep. You, can, you can identify who, sh- who just needs to go, right? If they, right. they won't and they can't, it's not worth your time. Focus right. on the, everybody else. Um, but a piece I think that was, was missing from that model is, is, are they ready? Because mm-hmm. even if you will do it and you can do it, doesn't mean you're ready to do it. And I right. think that's a, that's a nice element to, uh, to add to that. Well, and I tell people that too, because again, I'm, I, this isn't Hogwarts. I'm not Harry Potter. There is no magic wand, right? And when people come to a consultant, they think you're going to fix things. And when in fact, they're, they're going to fix things. The, the difference is, you, you, it's, like I said, you can't, it's very difficult to read the label from inside the box. So, and, that, and that goes for me. I have my own coaches I go to. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really good, but I'm much better when it's somebody else's situation than my own because I'm too close to it. And, and that just happens. And so, you know, I, I have a story of a, of a company that the, the CEO hired me. She wanted change in sales results. She's very clear on that. And that's important to have clarity. You have to be able to say in one sentence what you want. And it can't be something about yourself or something about they or them, those people out there, my people or my leadership team. The situation has to be defined as something else, as the situation. So the clarity was there. Sales are not where they need to be. And I'd like them to be 30% greater. Perfect. So there was a understanding of a problem. She was ready to have me come in and say, "Here's all. The, here's the underside of the, you know, of the monster, the belly of or the belly of the beast. Here's the problems." She's she's willing to do this. She's able to do this. Then comes her senior staff team, the folks that report to her, the level below her and above the directors. Those people didn't trust a consultant. Those people were trying to protect their bonuses. Those people were not ready, willing, or able for someone like me to come in and you know, introduce the idea of change. And so after going through the meetings with everybody, I came back and said to her, I can't, there's nothing I can do to help you. Your team is not on board with this. And, and I'm not asking you to get rid of your team, but you need to get your team on board with why you think there's a need for change and then bring me back when everybody's ready, willing, and able. So. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so let's get into differentiation. I think the first place we should start is just with defining it. Yeah. To make sure everyone's on the same page. Yeah. I mean, it's like uh, people often confuse differentiation with value proposition. And I think everybody understands the, the, the idea of differentiation. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, you know, I want to be unique in the marketplace. You know, wanting to and being able to do this and then being able to become conscious or unconsciously competent at this is a whole different thing. But value proposition is like something that you say usually in a sales pitch and you're trying to talk about what makes your company unique. The problem with value propositions in a proposal is that you sound like everybody else. You're, you, you tend to repeat modeled behaviors. You've been taught by a manager. You've been taught by a sales trainer. 
something. And you tend to go out and model and repeat that. And, you, you know, comparability would be things like, you know, here's the customer says, well, why should we do business with you? And you talk about your years of service. Maybe you talk about your recycled products or your supply chain or your nationwide distribution or your worldwide distribution. All these things you talk about. And everybody else is talking about it. So while you think you're being unique and saying, this is what makes us unique and special and why you should work with me, you're really talking about what makes you comparable. So I often walk through that question and that answer with folks. And we literally transcribe this and write it down. And then we start highlighting things that could possibly be said by competition. Doesn't mean it is, but if it is possibly said by somebody, it might be. And when you highlight, you end up with like, your name is the only thing that's unique and everything is highlighted yellow. But that's a really telling point because your name is you. That's the, that's the differentiation in the equation. So now let's get from what's comparable to what's distinguishable. And so if you work for a company and all the competitors' companies are the same and you're unique, that's the key selling point. Now, what are you as an individual, Pat Kagan or Chris Dubois, why are you the person I'll do business with, not why is your company who I'll do business with. And that's something you can wrap yourself in. So it's important to understand, I guess, value proposition is something that people, they get and they say, but differentiation is what you do. It's like, if you think about qualities like trust or loyalty or kindness or sincerity, you recognize that that's an energy. And you embrace that and you go towards people like that and they're that way authentically. So if someone says to you, well, I'm a real trustworthy person or, hey, let me be honest with you, Chris. You know, you tend to think, well, weren't you being honest before? Or if you have to tell me you're trustworthy, are you really trustworthy? You know, so if you have to say it, you're probably not that person. And leaders do it all the time when they say, okay, now, you know, now we're going to rally the troops. I'm like, okay, so what did you do all, you know, all the rest of the year? You weren't rallying. You, you were disgruntling, right? So it's, it's something you do, not something you say. And it's the energy you create. And it's you work. It's, this, is, this is something that is not natural. And human nature is to assimilate, to blend in. You, when you're a kid, you, you find a group that you belong to. You, know, you could be athletic. You could be uh, you know, mathematical, whatever. But you find the group that fits you and you go blend in. If you change schools as a middle school kid, you're not looking to stand out. You want to fit in. You join a team, you all get a uniform. You join the military, you and I are in the military, we had uniforms. There is something to be said for uniformity. It's conditioned. Nobody's taught, go be different. Go be unique. We hear about it, but we don't practice it. So, you, you know, that's, I think, the difference, what you do versus what you say and having the strategy behind differentiation. It is something you have to say, I need to be different. I need to wake up today and differentiate. I need to set time. And, and a lot of companies might do this as a project with me or with you. It should be what you do every day. You should practice differentiation every single day and strategy. And I have quadrants where we break down, what do I know? What don't I know? What do I have? What don't I have? And it becomes this three-dimensional Rubik's cube that over time, you can't help but be different because you're working on things that are information-based and unknown that become value propositions later through what you do. So it's a whole evolution of all those words jumbled into, now I'm different. Right. Um, an exercise I like doing with, with clients who think they have a, a different message. 
Um, and I, I used to do this for when I was marketing. Um, I found this in like JavaScript link. I put it in my bookmarks bar. So when you click it, it turns the entire page like static and you can edit the text. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't actually change the web page, right? But it lets me do it live. And so I would take whatever message they want from their headline, but put it on a competitor's homepage. And it's like, can you see how this could fit this the competitor, right? right. And they get to actually visualize right. how that is. And it's like, oh, you're right. That's not a differentiator. Right. Um, but it's surprising how how many people like you have to break that habit or the people who think like customer support is our oh, differentiator. Yeah. It's like, are people, are people buying from you because they want to talk to support? Yeah. Like, cause unless that's the case, I don't know that that's what you want. Well, and the, the whole uh, purpose that, that I take people through is that, you know, we want to help you create a category of one. And that sounds, everyone's like, yeah, absolutely. I love that. Or yeah, I believe in that. I, and that's great. But the people aren't doing that. Businesses aren't doing that. And so you're getting whatever your piece of the pie is, but you're not a category of one. And the category of one will be things like customers saying to you, that's, that's a great question, Chris. I never thought of it that way. Or, uh, wow, you know, nobody's ever approached me this way. Those, those are good things. You want to get that. Um, you, you know, you, when, you, when you sound like everyone else, what happens is your customers hear so much of it, they put you on mute. So you imagine everyone's been in Zoom calls and where their microphone wasn't on and they're talking and they're flailing and they look like fools. Well, that's what happens in business. When you sound the same, you put yourself on mute. And, you know, I said that the question starts with, Chris, why should I do business with you? You're trying to create the Jiminy Cricket effect. And the Jiminy Cricket effect is, if you think of Jiminy Cricket in the story of Pinocchio, it was that little voice that just told you the truth and kind of nagged at your conscience and, and got you on the right path. You want that to happen with your clients. And if you're a leader, you want that to happen with your salespeople or your, the people you lead if they're not in sales. And, and you, you change this, the, 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 the conversation and you change the narrative from why should we do business with you or why should we follow you, Chris, the leader, to why haven't we done business with you all along? Why haven't I been following you all along? What do people like you do that I want to do? And so you're modeling differentiation because that's who you become. And so that's the whole Jiminy Cricket effect is that you you become your own conscience that that you emulate the truth to those around you that this is how great things get done through doing things differently. Yeah. No, I love that uh that description of it. So let's talk how now we differentiate between the strategy and tactics that go into proving out your differentiation. Right. Right. Well, and it's so, I mean, if, yeah, it's like open. Yeah, no, 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 it's, it's good because, and I'm glad that you distinguished it that way because um, many people believe they're, they're strategic and they're tactical. So, so I, I look at it like strategy is where we want to go and tactical is how we get there. So let's say, Chris, you and I are, we're, we're here in Chicago where I live and we're going to drive, we're going to go to Florida. All right. So going to Florida becomes a strategy. Now, the tactics, right? How do we get there? Well, Chris, we could fly there. We could take a bus. We could ride a bike. We could walk. We could drive a car. We had Lots of tactics. And you and I decide, well, we have a lot of things to talk about for business, so let's drive. Okay, we'll take turns driving. We'll drive down there. We'll make great use of that time. Perfect. So now we know our strategy. Go to Florida. Now we know our tactic. We're going to drive. And during the drive, I'm driving. Chris, you blindfold me. So now 
the tactics to drive, accelerating, braking, turning left, turning right, none of that makes sense. But my strategy didn't change. We have to get to Florida. My circumstances changed. I have to adapt. I have to change. I have to modify. And maybe I have to rely on you to help guide me. But suddenly, I can't just be tactical. And if I am tactical, we could get hurt. So I think it's important to understand this happens in business all the time. Sales are down. Let's have a sales contest. Sales are down. Let's go, let's go get face-to-face with all of our clients. Sales are down. Let's have a newsletter. Sales are down. Let's put charts on the wall. Let's track phone calls. Let's, we start getting very, very tactical. Many times it comes from shareholder pressure or the sales manager does that because the, the leadership puts pressure on that person. That person starts getting, becoming a taskmaster. We call it a taskmaster. You're task-oriented. Very few people will stop and say, you know, let's step back and get strategic here. What is the best strategy to change the result? And so I go through a process of saying, you know, let's define our current situation. Let's define it not in terms of you or me, but of the situation. Let's define what we think the desired state, what's desirable, what's the most optimal state we'd like. And a lot of people get stuck right there. And I'm like, okay, let's reverse that. Let's describe what you don't want. You know what you don't want. Let's describe everything about what you don't want it to look like when you get there. Because if you don't know what it looks like when you get there, at least know what it doesn't look like. And usually you can, you can suss that out, you know. And, and then um, you have to then take a look at, well, what are my first steps towards that desired state or towards avoiding what I don't want? And what are the obstacles? And then we start working on reframing the obstacles, make them, instead of mountains, make them the molehills, make them the little things you can step around or step over and, and make progress one step at a time. So I think that you know, the idea of being strategic about differentiation starts with, what is it I'd like to do? What is it I'm not doing right now? So it might be, I don't like my income where it's at. I'd like to earn $20,000 more. I'd like to earn $30,000 more. I would like to have a sales team that's double in size. I'd like to have sales that are um, five times as big as they are. Whatever it is, define that. Not is it possible or is it realistic? What is it you, what's desirable? And then we start breaking that into little bite-sized pieces and getting strategic. What do we know and what don't we know? What do we have and what don't we have? And we go through a series of basically who, what, when, where, why, and how questioning on each of these different quadrants. And then when we think we've answered everything, we add the word else. Who else? What else? Where else? When else? Why? And it becomes, like I said, this three-dimensional ongoing thing that that strategy becomes part of our daily practice, not our flavor of the month or our quarterly thing that we did because Pat Kagan came in and gave us a speech, right? So... So that's really, you know, when we talk about getting diff- having differentiation, it doesn't happen quickly, but it happens. It's not get rich quick, but you get rich. It's not customer satisfaction immediately, but it is customer satisfaction. And it's starting to build a profile of who are my ideal customers. Because you, you could do yourself a favor when you work with people and say, define your ideal customer, the characteristics that make an ideal customer. Then overlay that with who are your top five spenders and do the people you do business with at those top five have those characteristics or do they just spend a lot of money with you? 
And then where do you spend your time, especially when it comes to things like prospecting or, or um, client you know, acquisition versus retention? We tend to spend time with who we know, but they aren't necessarily the right people to spend time with. So it's a great practice to get into when you're trying to get different results and you find that you're actually doing the same things or the, or the comfortable things. I like that you pointed out with strategy that it's not just identifying what you should be doing, but what you shouldn't be doing. Because I feel like a lot of people neglect that step and that's where they get blocked. Yeah. And that's where they run into like further down the road, they start adding things to the strategy that have they, that start distracting them, right? You get shiny object syndrome, things yeah. like that. It's like, have they just set that barrier, you know, right at the start that said, no, we're not doing any of these right. things. Right. Um, they would just have far more. Clarity. Well, and it's interesting because you know we're talking about it, and I'm I'm going through it quickly, but like if, if you if you hired me, you said Pat, you know I want to go through this process. I would like my sales to be, you know, a million dollars more than they are today. Great. So that we will go through this process, and that part that I just talked you through quickly, that might take us a week or two or three. And the longer it takes, the more sound the strategy is going to be. That's not something you get through quickly. Because the end of the process is not more important than the beginning of the process or the middle. So the process itself is the value. And, and as long as we're keeping an eye on what the better state is or what the least desirable state is, we can get to different outcomes. And it's really about measuring the milestones along the way to the outcomes. Awesome. So I want to shift gears a bit and talk about building sales revenue mm -hmm. momentum. What are some of the... I guess just things you, that you're noticing companies uh, can benefit from the most when you start working with them for just quick things that like our listeners could take away right now to uh, increase yeah, I that mean, momentum. Because uh, momentum, you know, momentum is really what you're after. It's not motivation. Motivation is what makes you stand up and momentum is what keeps you going. It's like your workout um, analogy. You know, motivation gets you into the gym and momentum keeps you going, the gains you are getting and things like that. So the best way to maintain momentum is to have positive results. And the best way to have positive results is to define what those are. Um, I'm a big believer that what you measure grows. And so, I, you know, if you, if you are measuring activity, we need more sales activity, you'll get more activity, but not necessarily focused on the results. You might get more phone calls. You might get more emails. If you say, I'm measuring um, the dollar value of every proposal I send out, you might get more valuable proposals to go. And if you say, I'm measuring how many sales we close, our baseline is this. I think the best benchmark for an employer or a leader, as well as for people who are sales, and this works especially well in a hybrid work environment or remote where we're not in an office necessarily together, is to simply have where leadership says to the employee, here's how I look at you. And I would use earnings as a percent of sales as how I look at you. What do you earn relative to what you sell? And you could apply this to everybody in your business, not just salespeople. And there should be a benchmark. So let's say that your earnings as a percent of sales should be at 20%. So this is like golf. You want to have a low number. You want to be below 20%. 20% is just doing the bare minimum. It's what everybody should do. So Chris, you you can look at your dashboard and you could live in Wyoming and I could live in Chicago and you could say, I'm, I'm at 18%. I'm performing better than Pat is expecting me. I'm at 18%. I want to be below that line. 
20% is my ceiling, I'm doing good. And that's how Pat looks at me. I know that I'm performing the way he needs me to. Even if you live in Wyoming, so you can fly fish during the day and at your nighttime is maybe morning uh, you know, in, in Eastern Europe and that's who you sell to. But you can live the life you want and you know how I look at you and I know how I, I look at you. So it's all objective numbers. Earnings as a percent of sales is a great way to do that. The other side of that is you love living in Wyoming. You love fly fishing. Your earnings as a percent of sales is 25%. You're way above where you should be. You're going to say, I love that I get to live the life I want. I better do something to bring that number down. I'm going to talk to Pat and say, how do I, there's something missing. I'm, I'm not performing where I need to be. And then we talk about sales momentum, right? So what is it that motivates you? Well, in that scenario I described, you like your free time. You like to fly fish in Wyoming. Okay. So let's, let's beef up your Eastern Europe territory. Let's talk about then simple things, effort, activity, and results. Are you putting in all three of those to generate the sales proposals that go into your pipeline? So you have to measure that number of proposals that go in, the dollar value of that. How can you make them worth more? Let's take a look at your ideal clients. Who's buying with you versus who's ideal? Where do you spend your time? And those that buy from you, can they buy more or refer more? And so there's ways to get growth in sales by not bringing in one new customer, but looking at who you do business with today. And the other thing is, there's a way to get growth in sales by letting salespeople know, this is how I look at you. Earnings as a percent of sales is objective. That's exactly how you're measured. And if you can live the life you want and fit where you know how you're being evaluated and you like it, you're going to tell your friends, your friends are going to want to come work there. So you solve any sort of issue that has to do with hiring and, and retaining. I'm going to have a bunch of you who perform very well below that 20% line and everybody likes where they live and likes what they do. And they know without me saying a thing, this is where you need to be or you're in hot water with me. Long, I guess long-winded. I don't know if that answers your question about momentum. No, that it does. And what I like the most about that, that method is, so I think everyone can, can agree. If you don't measure it, you're not going to be able to improve it. But I think where a lot of people do miss the mark is that if you can't define mm-hmm. what you're measuring, you're not going to yeah. be able to improve it, right? Because you don't actually know what you're looking at. And so I think by, by actually getting everyone aligned on the same, hey, this is how we're looking at this metric. This is why it's important. Now we're going to measure it. Uh, that's, I mean, that's critical yeah. in order to, yeah. to move in the number. Well, I, I worked for a company and, and um, you know, when I say what you measure, what you feed will grow, what you measure will grow. This company wanted to have more phone call activity. They were that specific with clients. So they were measuring phone calls. Now they would discount, they wouldn't count at all emails. They wouldn't, they weren't looking at face-to-face appointments or proposals or the value of those proposals. They weren't looking at text messaging or instant messaging, all the ways we have to communicate. Phone calls are what counted. So guess what happens? Salespeople are blowing through their numbers on phone calls. And all you do is you pull a report. And when you, you look at when salespeople are making phone calls, you know, like from six till seven in the morning or five till six at night, and they're exceeding their, their objectives, they're leaving a bunch of voicemails to people who aren't there at their desk and non-working, non-selling hours to make a number to stay out of the hot seat with their boss. Great. You made phone calls that don't even matter but you weren't in the hot seat. And wouldn't you rather get one phone call with a great conversation that took four hours and you closed some big business 
and be below that call objective of phone calls. So that company measured phone calls. And it was amazing how they had everybody making phone calls, but couldn't understand why their sales were just plummeting. They were just measuring the wrong thing. You just measure the wrong thing. It would be like if you measured only the size of your calves when you worked out and you didn't look at your overall cardiovascular health or you didn't, you know, or you only measure your external body, not your internal body, your your cardiovascular, or you didn't look at your mental health, only your physical health. It's so out of balance that you're going to get what you look, what you measure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, this has been a great conversation. I want to jump into our, uh, our rapid three yeah. questions now. So sure, you've got sure. three books. I recommend everyone grab copies of them. Uh, sell the difference, create the difference, manifest the difference. Hopefully I got those right. You got um, them all right. You got them uh, all right. Available on Amazon. And no, anywhere only else available. Are, so uh, the on my book, uh, on my website, I'm sorry, on my website would be the books, and then the audio books are available anywhere you get um, your audio books, except for except for Audible. We don't we don't do any work with Amazon. All right. Um, so separate from those, what book do you recommend everyone yep. read? <laughs> you know, people ask me that all the time, and one of the one of the books that are there, it's one of my go to books. It's called The Happiness Advantage, Sean Akers. and the the premise behind this, and Sean puts some great science to to the idea that um, successful people aren't always happy, but happy people are always successful. And so he's got a great lead from your own space approach to things. And so the happiness advantage um, is nice because, you know, he, he has three, three books, three or four books that start with, you know, happiness in the self and bringing it out into the workplace, happiness in the workplace, bringing it out to the, to the client base. And each one builds, and it's simple to understand. But when they put science behind it, you're, it's it's unbelievable, and it's it's a game changer. So, I recommend to everybody at a bare minimum. I actually give you two of his books. One is the Happiness Advantage. The other is the Orange Frog. And the Orange Frog is a phenomenal read. It's a, you'll read it in one sitting. You won't be able to put it down. And it's a great analogy of these frogs in these ponds and and what they do. And how differences actually become strengths, which kind of plays into what I do. So, um, but so I recommend Sean Akers as an author, and then um, Happiness Advantage is the first book for sure, and then The Orange Frog is the second book. Yeah, I have not heard of these, so now I get to add two more books to my to be read stack. Awesome. Uh, okay, cool. What is uh What is next for you professionally? Um. You know, next for me professionally is it might be more of of what I'm doing. Um, so I do um, sales and leadership consulting, um, and uh, I'm taking some of the retreats and seminars that I do for groups um, of you know in, uh, individuals, CEOs that come from around the world, and I'm doing it. I'm branding it specifically for companies. So I'm going to companies and I'm doing more of that where we do adjust for them, and so we we take concepts and we, we, we make them the flavor of that company or that industry. Um, and then also, uh, I'm actually looking for more keynote speaking opportunities. So if there are folks listening and they would like someone to come talk to their group, it could be about differentiation. It could be about leadership. It could, they could be stories from the army. I'm glad to help. So I think, uh, more of the, the branded, um, the branded presentations and retreats and seminars for the individual companies and then keynote speaking. At, at groups when, whenever they might need. 
Great. Uh, yeah, we didn't even get into army stories on this podcast. We, that oh, uh, isn't that amazing? Another, we, yeah, there's a lot yeah. we could share. <laughs> could have gone another hour easy. Um, so uh, I guess last question, where can people find you? So the best place to find me is probably going to be on LinkedIn, Patrick Kagan. Uh, I know I love to have the connections, especially that come from the podcast. Um, I, I respond to messages all the time. Uh, or they can go to pksolutionsgroup.com at my website. There's a contact me and there's a lot of resources that I have for free that folks can um, listen to or read or whatever it might be that might be helpful. So either one would be, would be a great way to connect. Awesome. Patrick, thanks for joining me. It was another, another fun conversation with you. Glad to be here. Thanks. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love a rating and review on your favorite podcast player. And for more information on how to build effective and efficient teams through your leadership, visit leadingforeffect.com. As always, deserve it.